Hey everybody, welcome to episode number two of the Greg and Arsh podcast. Today we've got uh, Kyle Yarwood, who's one of my best friends uh, throughout university, met him in first year, first day, I think, first day? Yeah, it's during orientation. Yeah, during orientation for sure. Um, and he's like a really smart computer science guy that uh, did three majors at U the University of Waterloo. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of our questions. Uh, we'll talk yeah, about we're, that we're getting there. We're getting yeah. there, Kyle. <laughs> okay. Uh, Arshia, question number one. All right. So, Kyle, um, you currently live in the States, but you didn't always live there. So, How was life <laughs> growing up in Whitby, Ontario? Uh, it was pretty normal. Whenever I bring up that I'm from Whitby, people think it's like, it's like super rural area because I don't really speak super highly of it usually but like whenever I go back now I I really enjoy my time there like it was a pretty normal um town like there's a movie theater there like there's like grocery stores that like there's normal. stuff to do people, like, people there eat. Um, <laughs> yes yes um yeah you can like go to restaurants you don't have to drive 20 minutes to get to a grocery store right um but yeah just in general like um yeah had friends on my block friends are good like my neighbors amazing um yeah it was like a very normal childhood besides well my parents getting divorced but that's like a whole different thing okay <laughs> um but even then that's pretty normal now so it's yeah it's extremely common if you look at the statistics yeah yeah, it's it didn't change my life too much. Um, like both my parents stayed in Whitby, so uh, yeah, it, not a lot of people know about the town, but like, yeah, it's very normal childhood growing up. It's like sort of boring, but yeah, awesome. But you had a, a brother to keep you company. <laughs> yes, yes, I had a brother who um, is very—I'll I, say—he's very funny and he's a very nice person. Like he, he is overly nice to the point where he got like 18 different coworkers a Christmas gift one year. And oh, in that nice. same year, he got me, I think it was the year he got me a PS4. And I was like, I'm a student right now. I can't get you more than like a pair of socks. Well, now you have to give him <laughs> a PS5, right? Yeah. He already has one. Oh, never mind. <laughs> and he has the Xbox Series X. So really, there's nothing I can get him. But yeah, he's oh, he just wow. buys whatever he wants. Oh, wow. Fair enough. That's what money's for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah. Um, sorry, did you have something to say there? Oh, um, I was just gonna say yeah. Like, it was it was nice having a brother growing up. I feel like being no offense to only childs, but like it, it's. It's nice to have a built-in friend that you can do stuff with. It definitely um, is. I feel like it'd be a little bit more boring if you're an only child. Yeah. You get to play video games and stuff. With yeah, your, so that's actually question number two was, um, you've all, uh, from what I know, you, you've always been like a puzzly, brainy kind of dork. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. call you that, Kyle. I would agree. It's only Greg saying that. I would. Okay. I would. <laughs> um, did you do any like puzzle games, video games? And uh, we also throw in through in are you competitive as a bit of a loaded question yeah i think from like a very early age i liked um puzzles and games and stuff like i played a lot of video games with my my brother like he had it he always got like 
I think he had the GameCube. We had a Nintendo 64 growing up as well. Um, when it comes to the competitive aspect, uh, I remember when I was like four or five years old, I was, my dad, maybe I was even six actually. My dad was teaching me chess and I was playing with him and I ended up losing the game, obviously, because I barely knew what I was doing. But like when I found out that I lost, I just like wiped all Classic. the pieces off the board. Nice. <laughs> and then like three minutes later, I was like, can we play again? And he's like, no, <laughs> you're just going to wipe the pieces off the board again. I'm like, I promise I would do it. And then we played again, and I wiped pieces off the board oh. the second time as well. How old were you? <laughs> yeah, I was like four or five or six years okay. old. Like I was very, very young. This okay. is the first time I was like learning chess. But yeah, I think just in general, <clears throat> I have I didn't play any like uh, competitive sports, like team sports or anything. So I didn't really learn how to lose gracefully. Um, so I think that's something that I still have to like work on. Um, it's really hard when you don't get the experience of, but I mean, like I, I definitely like, probably failed at stuff as a kid, but like I didn't really push myself. So it's hard to learn how to lose when you're older, when you've just like not really had a lot of experience. Yeah. With that. No, you're yeah. reminding me a lot about like you said that you didn't do competitive sports when I did a little <laughs> bit, a little bit older than that, like 10, 11 or maybe 13. Um, in basketball, mm -hmm. they always do like you have to handshake like every single person, whether you win or yeah. lose. And there's so many like strict rules on like if you're winning by like 10 points, you can't like shoot again because it's disgraceful mm -hmm. and all that stuff. I don't really agree with that. But yeah, I don't agree with that. Yeah. But. Either way, it's mostly just about teaching. I mean, in the NBA, it's about just being irritating. Yeah. But young, young, it teaches you how to like just, yep, you lost. Just give, pay your, pay your dues. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, wait, so it's if you're leading by 10, you're not allowed to shoot. Is I, that the. I made up the number 10, although I think double digits okay. is a good number. And yeah. Yeah. You just dribble out the clock, which seems really disgraceful to me. You just literally sit there. Yeah. Going, but. No, I think to teach those kids losing, like the, so the people who are losing by 10 need to learn how to lose by even more. So you should allow the people up by 10 to shoot. There we go. <laughs> in my opinion. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Sounds good. Absolutely. I think you need to be able to humiliate your opponents so they learn <laughs> yep. lessons early on. Yeah. But that that's the competitive side of me. I'm, yeah, I, when I play my dad in, NHL now like we play hockey on my like really old PS3 I we played over the holidays and I beat them like eight nothing <clears throat> five nothing like seven nothing like I I humiliate my opponents in Sounds that game familiar. and honestly it, it gets to the point where I can see it on his face that he's just not having fun and I'm like I, I don't know what to do like if I just take it easy on you I don't know I'm not sure. It, like, you have it, that I feel like you. it's kind of. Yeah, I don't think I could. <laughs> but like, it would also. I wouldn't want someone taking it easy on me. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I that kind of ruins the fun of it, right? So. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, so I think just yeah, in general, I've grown up competitive, and I'm still like, I I like that I'm competitive, and I would like my future children to be competitive. But I think I would also like them to be a little bit more graceful in both winning and losing um i think i can also like 
get a bit um, bur- like bloaty when I'm winning. Oh, salty when I'm losing, bloaty <laughs> when I'm winning. It it really depends on who I'm with though. Like if I'm with with people who I don't know very well, I'll I won't be too bad. But if I know you really well, like you can tell if I feel comfortable around you if I'm like very salty about losing or if I'm like rubbing it in your face that I'm winning. Yep. Well, you know, in my opinion, it takes a really big person to even admit and say that. That's so true. so kudos to you for saying that and Thanks. admitting that. I'm the most humble. There we go. And you are. And I know you and you are. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know about that. But yeah. Yeah. It's just something I have to get better at. Like it, I, it's very obvious that I have to get better at it. So um, like it's just something I, I, I struggle with. Yeah, but yeah. That's fine. That's all good. All right. So <coughs> growing up, you also did YouTube. Do you want to talk mm-hmm. more about that? What made you want to do YouTube and what was that like? Yeah. Um, so I think when I was nine years old for Christmas, I got this Discovery Kids camera or something. And I was like, well, I should start filming stuff with this because otherwise what's the point of having the camera? Why not? Um, yeah. And when you film stuff, I don't know. It's like YouTube was like, it, it would have been like 2009 when, when I got the camera. So I guess I would have actually been 10 um no nine because it was in like february when i would actually post my first video uh but yeah i think um i was just like youtube was like starting to get pretty popular back then like i watched youtube videos um so i figured why not post this and like see if anybody will view it and like comment on it um i think somebody said uh, the only comments I can remember is them saying your camera, this potato, basically saying my camera was a potato, (laughs) but, um, yeah, people are the, I I don't think I took offense to it because it was like, whatever, like, yeah, my camera sucks, but like, it's a discovery kids camera. I'm just having fun here. Um, Um, but I think just in general, uh, I liked having like a creative outlet and that's actually something um that's i kind of miss now because i don't really post on social media at all it's like there's not a lot like i'm not really creating content anymore um but yeah when i was younger like i would just post the most random stuff like i'd get into a hobby for example like uh rubik's cubes um and immediately when i would learn how to do it from a YouTube video. I'd go make my own YouTube video teaching how to solve the Rubik's Cube. That's how Even though it. people could just go to the, the better yeah. video. No, that, that's what I do for YouTube like every day. So. <laughs> and then there, there was like um, the tutorials on how to create a fake virus on, uh, on your computer on Windows. So, and they'd always have, what was it? 009 sound system playing in the background that band or whatever that had like free youtube music so i made my own tutorial with the exact same song and the exact same like uh you like open up notepad and just like type what you're what you want to say because the music was playing like you couldn't really record your voice over it um so yeah i just like copied all my content nice uh yeah i don't know It, it was just like fun to post videos though i think yeah, so, so yeah. with um, 
I mean, I've never heard of a Discovery Kids camera, but I can picture like a $20 terrible camera or something like that. It was it was probably like, yeah, $20, $30 back then. It would be like $2 now. Yeah, okay. Um, so did you, like, it, it still took video? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it took video. But I think it only had like 60 to 90 seconds. Yeah, that's what of, I was wondering, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was really like I think it I think it I ran out of space when I was recording a video for like how to get mystery gifts in Pokemon. Nice. But well I eventually like not not too many videos in, I switched to using like a webcam on a computer because I mean the computer has a lot more space than the Discovery Kids camera. Yeah. Yeah. Did that have sound though? Yeah, the the webcam like it was like a computer, like just a and like an HP laptop or okay, yeah. Toshiba, yeah. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but yeah. yeah. So, would you like to, like, in the future, create content again? I have definitely been thinking about it a lot recently. Um, I think the hard part for me, and I don't know, Greg, you can maybe comment on this, but I, I would have a very difficult time balancing, like like doing something that I really enjoy and just like not caring about the views versus like caring way too much about the metrics and like looking at, Oh, how many views am I getting? How many subscribers am I getting? How much does this type of content actually reach people? Like do people care about this? I feel like it's just really hard to not care about that stuff. Yeah. And I would kind of, I would probably want to just do it for fun, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's good, it's good to care about things in some ways. Like, of course, you want to bring purpose to your life and have something that you're kind of always thinking about. But it, um, I, I think you're still, and that's kind of why Arshi and I are really excited to do this is because, like, you know, at the time of recording, we have, like, 10 subscribers or something. And I love it. Like, that makes me so I'm happy because, yeah. Oh, very nice. Thank you. <laughs> nice. I think it's 12. 12. And and that's might be more. <laughs> that's great for me because like I don't have to worry about if I put something out like are people gonna love or hate it? Am I expecting mm -hmm. something to go like viral on this channel? It would be great, but like I'm not e expecting it to right away. Um, yeah. And so, given that it's not a business, my my own channel is not only my business. It's it's like like my life. Um, it's much easier to just record and do content, making it a yeah. uh, just a hobby, <clears throat> and then it turns in into something after a hobby. But it's it's nice at first. Yeah, yeah. I think if I were to get into it, I would want to be like fairly consistent with it. Um, the I'm also like, I mean, there's one topic that like really comes to mind when I think about making a YouTube channel because it's like pretty much all well most of what i what i do in my spare time that's like look at fantasy hockey stuff so doing something with hockey in general um i feel like there's always news in the hockey world or like games going on that you can recap and things like that my only worry would be that i would it would go from something that i enjoy researching about and just like do for fun in my free time to something that I feel like I have to do. And I, I yeah, I want to, I, I need to figure out a way to like balance that and make sure that I'm not going to get, get burnt out on hockey stuff. If I do go down that path. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a fine line uh, between that. So, you know, this is my first channel and it's my first time being on camera. And that, like <clears throat> Greg said, I think it's good that we only have like 10 or 12 subscribers because it does not put any pressure yeah. on, you know, yeah. if I mess up, it's it's okay. And we're just going to, you know, roll with it. Um, and and so it's fun. But definitely, I, I also find myself kind of looking at the analytics and, you know, did we go viral yet? Is yeah. my question. Yeah, I looked at them. Right? <laughs> it was yesterday. It was I, I yesterday. It went viral yet. There we go. <laughs> check back tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. Um, yeah, but I think as long as you're having fun doing it, that's that's what matters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you went to Waterloo with Greg and myself. Mm -hmm. What made yes. you choose Waterloo out of all of the schools? Uh, yeah, so I think uh, I applied to three universities, all... Um, in like Ontario, Canada. And so the three options were, I, I, I don't know why I chose those three options to begin with. I guess like, actually I sort of do because they were the reasons that I was considering each of them. Like it was, it, they were the same as the reasons that I was considering each of them when I had to make my decision. Um, but I applied to Trent, which I found out you get like free tuition if you get a certain average. And I was like, I would like to not have to pay tuition. That'd be really cool. Um, Cause that's like a big, but for, for certain people when they're going to university, like costs is like the biggest factor on whether or not, like, like if, if you can't afford to go to the school, then it's like sometimes not a great decision, especially cause there's like risk of like, if you're even going to make it through the program and all that and be able to get the job you want from the, and be able to pay back the loans. So um, yeah, I think the free tuition was really enticing from Trent and the campus looked really pretty. Um, and then the uh, second option that I didn't go with was U of T Scarborough campus. So they had co-op, which obviously Waterloo does as well. Um, so it was kind of nice to be able to work while you're in school, like kind of alternate between studying and working. Um, and I think having a co-op system as much as it's not necessary to get your jobs while you're in school, I think it really helps um, because you have the portal to actually find the jobs. And um, the second thing is you're like forced to get a job, which really pushes you into like, if you don't get a job, then you like fail. You don't fail the work term, but like you can't study even during that work term. I know at Waterloo. Yeah. So there's just a lot of pressure for you to actually go through with it and get jobs. Yeah. So, and a nice thing about Scarborough that I really considered was it was near my house and like, well, relatively close to the point where I could take, it would take like 45 minutes to an hour at most to get to the campus. I could stay at home. Costs of like living would be a lot lower if I'm staying at home. Um, so that was a big reason why I just uh, thought about going there. And then Waterloo was the third option. Um, a big reason why I chose it was because it was like known for math. And that was initially what I applied for. Um, and I had done like all the Waterloo math contests as I was going through like elementary school in grade seven and eight. And then high school, like nine through 12, I was doing all the Waterloo contests. So it was like top of mind when I was like, oh, I want to do math. Which school should I apply to? 
Um, and I think, yeah, also the co-op was really nice. Again, similar to Scarborough. Um, and I actually didn't know this at the time, so this is more of a hindsight thing, but like Waterloo has the best co-op program that probably any school in the, I think you could argue in the world has. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, in hindsight, I made like a really good decision because yeah, the, the co-op was very nice to have. Um, but yeah, I think the, the difference between U of T Scarborough and Waterloo and why I chose Waterloo was as much as I could have stayed at home if I went to Scarborough, it was a really big step in my life to like get out of the house, move away from like your safety net and your parents and instead go into a town where I don't really know anybody. Like, like I feel like that's just like a good life experience to have and like you become more responsible um, when you're living on your own. So just in general, it was, yeah, the better co-op. Um, and as much as it was going to be more expensive, the co-op was going to help with that. Um, so that's kind of why I disregarded Trent. Um, yeah, I think just in general, like the, the, the math education at Waterloo was the best. The co-op was the best and leaving home, uh, I would have done that at either Trent or Waterloo, but Waterloo was further. So um, that was also the best uh, choice in terms of like becoming a more responsible and more mature person. Yeah. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, and yeah, so I actually visited Trent uh, during high school. I, I'm not sure why <clears> they're <throat> doing like a... Where like is it again? Peter... Alberta? Peterborough. Peterborough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did not know about the yeah. free tuition post past a certain average thing, though. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like 95% or something. So that was like my goal. I was like, I'm going to try to get that. and then, Or maybe it was even 90%. I don't know. It was not like a crazy, I mean, it, 95 is crazy high. But like, it was attainable if you like work really hard, hard. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 So if you had like 90, 95%, <laughs> why didn't you consider MIT or Stanford or yada, yada, yada? Um, honestly, it just never even crossed my mind to consider U.S. schools. Um, and I also would have had, yeah, I think I would have had to do a lot more planning in terms of how I went about it. Like I know someone from my school was considering the American schools. So you have to like, you know, study for the SAT and then take the SAT and like submit those scores and stuff. Um, you have to go through a whole different um, process. Like we, well, I can't remember what it was, but there was, it was like OUAC um, yes. for applying to Ontario schools. Um, so that was like, I don't know, everybody else was doing it. So it was very easy to just like do the same thing everybody else was doing. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for and me, sorry. it's more expensive. Yeah. Sorry. American schools are way more expensive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. Especially if you're coming from Canada. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had the same experience. Uh, no one, no one mentioned it to me once. And mm. I, I don't say I regret it because I think Waterloo is still the best option for many Canadians. It depended, of course, yeah. depends on what you want to study. But if you're doing something like math or engineering, it's a really good option. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, but then, um, like, if you go to look at the world rankings, I mean, I'm pretty sure MIT is on top. I don't have to look, but yeah, close, close yeah. to the top. I'm pretty sure it's number one in 
like yeah. math and in math and yeah, yeah. But, um, in Stanford. Yeah, no one ever talked about it to me. It's like it wasn't even a suggestion, and like I don't care. I'm not getting mad at anybody. It's just like it's just it doesn't feel like it's in the Canadian culture to mm-hmm. to do that. Even though there's like a couple people that did, but um, I just because yeah. I'm I'm saying this because like I'm sure we'll have a bit of a global audience at some at some point, um, and I feel like. <laughs> If you're not from North America, you generally kind of blend Canada and the U.S. in really closely together. Um, yeah. With, of course, the U.S. having a bit of a, like, we have a stronger economy kind of vibe. We have more people. But other than that, the, the cultures are, like, yeah. the same. But for, for university, it just it did not feel like it was even a discussion point. It was just, like, something yeah. in Canada. <laughs> yeah. I think just in general, like... The, the cost specifically is like a big thing. Like everybody knows how bad the tuition is in the U.S. in terms of like how costly it is. Yeah. Whereas like, I feel like Canada is a much more reasonable Definitely. if you're a domestic student. If you're coming internationally, it's still like a crazy amount. But I think even then it's still less expensive than going to like Harvard or Absolutely. Yale or MIT. Yeah, people there have like over a hundred k student loan. I'm like, oh my. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like coming from Waterloo, like I was. I mean, I just paid off the federal portion of my loan, and I could pay off the provincial part, but it's not collecting interest right now. So I'm like, Wait, why not just? Wait a I bit. think you could choose what you take out. Uh, there was like two different um things on my like portal thing and i was just like i want to pay this one off wait which website uh the national nsls student loan surface center yeah nsls for me it was just one box oh okay uh maybe you only had the one type of loan no 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 no. i know it's both no you have both okay then yeah um that's weird i was able to just i actually paid too much because they hadn't processed my previous payments, but then they processed it after I made the one-time payment. So I'm like, they owe me like almost $200 in terms of that account. But That's funny. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, what are we on here? Any, no, we did, ho- did we do hobbies? Ah, any hobbies? Talk about your hobbies. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think the the main ones include Fantasy hockey is like the the number one, like pretty much year round besides the summer. And even then I'll be like looking into like who's gonna be the the steal of the draft next year in my fantasy hockey league. Um yeah, I think that just comes from like being from Canada and my dad really liking hockey and like doing he did fantasy hockey when I was a kid, like with his office. So one year he like asked me if I wanted to join. It was like the first year I was really getting into hockey and I joined and now it would feel really weird to even pay attention to hockey without doing fantasy hockey. Like it, it they just feel so um, they, they feel like one and the same to me at this point. So yeah, fantasy hockey is a big one. Um, I think, yeah, I like playing Minesweeper a lot, which is pretty like dorky, but um i don't know just like whenever i'm bored like if i'm watching a tv show i'll have it like two two windows one of them's the tv show one of them's minesweeper and i'll just be like yep. casually playing minesweeper at the I same time i used to time. play that as a child a lot 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I played as a 23 year old. Um, yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I think uh, I really enjoy like a lot of different forms of media, mostly like movies, TV shows, and music. Um, it's just like a lot of alternative rock for music, um, a lot of dramas for TV shows. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's mostly what takes up my time. Oh, and I've been like, getting into running. Um, I'm not very good at it yet, but I, and like my knee is kind of bad, but I try to run as much as possible without destroying my knee. Um, Mine's worse. Yeah. Uh, That is true. (laughs) Yeah. We actually, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I just like, I, I would love to be able to run like, you know, for like three hours, but I can't. I just can't run that long with you my knee, otherwise it's just like really act up. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just like slow progress. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, as much as David Goggins is a massive inspiration and I, I love him, he also just did <clears throat> things that literally injured him when it wasn't necessary. I feel like he would just go yeah. way past the point of what's healthy and just do it because yeah. he wanted to prove it and to. So you there's yeah. no need to just run your knees out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I think he talks about a lot of stuff. Like it, whenever I see a YouTube short or a TikTok of him, it's like very motivational. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I need to like prioritize my health over like going. Like I, I ran a 5K one day and then the next day or that night, I saw a, a YouTube short that was like uh, talking about how you need to be like an animal and it's by david goggins and um i was like you know what you're right like i'm gonna go for a run tomorrow and then like 10 minutes later i was like that's a really bad idea because the last time i ran 5k uh i wasn't able to run for like two weeks so i should first see how bad my knees are in a couple days and then maybe you know if i need to take a bit of time off um but yeah he's, he's leading a totally totally different life and i commend him for it it's like really respectable that he's like able to show the limits of like what you like show that there are pretty much are no limits to what you can achieve. But um, yeah, I think I would like to not break all the bones in my feet. Yeah. Sounds good. Definitely would not recommend. (laughs) Okay. So back to university. Uh, Did university (laughs) feel easy? Was it easy? Um, I don't think it was, I think it felt easier than it seemed like other people found it. Um, but in general, like there were definitely courses where I just like, there were, there were certain assignments, certain exams where I'm just like, I have no idea what is going on. Like I, I, there's no way I'll ever be able to answer this problem. You can give me a million years yep. and I would not be able to solve this problem. Um, so there were definitely like some nights where, I think I had like three assignments to do one on one day and I didn't start any of them until the night before more accurately about like 10 or 11 PM, maybe even closer to midnight. And uh, yeah, that, that whole night I, I put, I stayed up all night and then I like kept working even in like classes and stuff um, the next day to try to get everything done. But it was just like, 
it was way too much. Like the, there was this one course um, that just had like some really hard problems. And it was like, he told us the assignments are going to be hard. Like do not do these last minute, try to get like a feel for them. Um, I think it was like biweekly. Uh, so try to get a feel for them. Like when they come out and like, look at the questions, start to think about them. And that'll give you a better chance of being able to solve them. I, was like that's a that's a really good piece of advice that I'm just not gonna follow. Um, yep. And yeah, I kind of paid for it. But yeah, I think just in general, like I did. I think I expected university to be a bit harder, but it definitely wasn't easy. And I think also a thing that made it harder was having to apply for jobs. Like every study term, that first like month was just like a lot to deal with. And I think that there's a lot of stress um that i just didn't realize i was gonna have to deal with uh especially in first year trying to get that first job like it was like three days before the end of the i think it was already past exams and it was like three days before the next term started when you had to have well you didn't have to have a job right away you could have it like a couple weeks in or whatever but yeah like i i barely got my job before the term started like yeah i think it just adds so much Definitely. I, I don't think high school prepares you for that, honestly. Like, it didn't for me. I mean, it was it was a lot, definitely, to deal with, especially with interviews and you know, brushing up your resume and cover letters yeah. and all the good things. But, yep. yeah. Yeah, walk us. Are you seeing the careers? Are you seeing the careers course? Careers and civics didn't prepare you? <laughs> did, did you take no, it? I, I, did, yeah, I okay. did take it, and yeah, and, and no. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. walk us through how Waterloo does its like co-op rounds and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the first couple terms you're just studying. Um, but actually the sec, well, it depends on what plan you're doing, but basically, um, that like four months. So Waterloo does like terms, which are four months. So there's three terms in a year, the term before the term that you're supposed to be working, um, Pretty much immediately you start like applying to jobs through Waterloo's, I think Waterloo works. They're like job portal. Um, so I think you get like, what is it? Oh, 50, 100, 50 applications that you get yeah, to they, send out. They changed that. 50 uh, or 100. Fairly often 50. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, yeah. Um, I think I used all my applications every time. Um, yep. Especially, especially first year, because you like. I also didn't realize how hard it was going to be to get a job in first year. Um, I was like, "Oh yeah, like I, I'm doing pretty well in my classes. They'll care about that." No, they, 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 they really don't. don't. No, <laughs> you're you have shown zero capability of being able to do like actual work. So it not, it's hard to take a risk on somebody um, who they have no track record of. But yeah, so you apply to however many jobs um, and they they will see a package that has your transcript with your grades. I think that actually might be the last thing they see. Um, the first thing they see, I believe, is the evaluations of your previous co-ops. So you can get anything from like, it's like a one to seven scale, but there's like words for it, for each um, number. So like seven is an outstanding, outstanding. Uh, eight is excellent. Nine is very, or er, nine, eight. <laughs> six and five, yeah. <laughs> six, six and five are excellent, very good, and good, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, typically, if, 
if you're below a very good, which is a five out of seven, that's actually like really bad. Like if you are good, yeah. you're very bad. Like th- that's a that's a negative signal. Typically, most people, I think it's like ninety five percent of people get from five to seven. So very good, excellent, or outstanding. A lot of people get excellent, and then few people get outstanding. And that's because they have to like write a blurb about why you deserve outstanding. Um, and I feel like employers don't usually want to like have to write yeah, anything. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Caesar just give it outstanding. Do you do you like? Or, sorry, the, excellent. Do you like the rating scale? Do you think that that's an, a fair way to useless. gauge candidates? You don't like it. I think I think it's useful to have like like if it was accurate, I think it would be very useful to be able to gauge like oh the previous employer was happy with the person's work that they did the last term. But when you have a seven point scale where it's pretty much only three, three of them are being used, like that kind of seems useless to me. Yep. Um, yeah. It just, it doesn't really make much sense. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of why um, one of the reasons like YouTube switched to like, just thumbs up, thumbs down, because it's like mm-hmm. so much more, like actually true. Like you'll know if you liked it or at least tolerated it and you'll know if you hate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah. And if they don't like or dislike it, then, you know, it's like somewhere in the middle. There's basically like three options for the yeah. user. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I think the ratings are incredibly inflated at Waterloo. Um, I don't, it, it's rare to see like anything less than an, even, even an excellent, I feel like is almost like most people got like excellent yes. in, in most of their co-op terms. But yeah, um, so yeah, you apply for your jobs and then uh, they get that package and then they, you find out within like a couple of weeks whether you've been selected for an interview or not. And if you have, then you have to like go on and schedule from a selection of times when you want to do your interview. Um, I know Greg, I don't, I don't know if you or she had ever had this problem. Greg had like 17 interviews, one like uh, co-op season. So to like, it's very difficult to balance going to classes, doing assignments, yes. attending midterms and doing 17 interviews. Like it's just, it's, it's not possible. I think you can like file for relief or whatever for yes. some interviews. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot if you are getting selected for a lot of interviews. Usually I didn't have that issue. It was I wasn't getting selected for enough. So I was able to handle the interviews um, fairly easily, except for maybe one term where I had like eight because um, I went into continuous as like a third year. By the way, continuous is if you don't get a job within like the first month and a half or whatever, then there's like another round where it's like, okay, just have at like you can apply to way more jobs because they're like we need to get these people jobs yeah because they weren't good enough in the first round yeah i definitely remember um in walking around campus and everybody would be dressed up in their formal wear and that's when you know it's like <laughs> interview season yeah. and everybody I remember yeah that. <laughs> yeah 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 that definitely dies down well you still see people doing it but the you can tell who's the first year and who's yes. the fourth year by how they're dressed. Yeah. It's like the, a fourth year will be dressed how I'm dressed and a first year will be in like a suit and tie definitely. and a jacket. Like, yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you just interview. And then um, if you 
do well in the interview. It's like a very, well, it depends on, it's, there's no like specific interview thing. It's basically whatever the interviewer wants to ask you. Um, in the software jobs, they'll ask you very typical like software engineering like interview questions. Um, but I'm sure it's different if you're applying for like pharmacy jobs or whatever. Um, so yeah. And then you basically will get ranked from a number from one to 10. Um, and there's like a, a period, I think it's like 24 hours where like you find out, um, whether or not, um, if you're ranked one, that means you got like an offer. If you're ranked two through 10, you don't actually get to know what you were ranked until well you don't ever get to know what you're ranked but it means we're okay with having you if we don't get who we actually want from giving them an offer so you can be yeah not ranked or ranked or offered um and then they have this like algorithm that will determine like based off of what you rank them from one to ten and what they rank you from one to ten um who gets the job based off of the candidates that interviewed. Um, so yeah, uh, typically, yeah. So sometimes if you get an offer, but you're ranked for a job that you want like way more, you can like, uh, reject the offer by like not ranking it. And then you can take your luck with, um, with trying to go like ranking the, the one that you got ranked for a one and that, or like, I guess it's like one out of 10. Like you, you're really or first out of 10. Like it, one is good. 10 is bad. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, I mean, that obviously has like consequences. If you don't get the job, like then you'll just be out of a job, even though you had an offer, which yeah. kind of sucks. But yeah, it depends um, on if like you really what, want that job. Yeah. It depends on what yeah. level of risk you're, you're willing to do. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So did you enjoy all your co-ops? Um, for the most part, yeah. Um, I think the nice thing about co-op is that you get to like find out what you want to do with like minimal risk because it's like four months that you're working for and you can figure out pretty like within that four months whether or not you're going to enjoy it as a career or not. Um, yeah, my first co-op was as a data analyst and then my next five were as software engineers um so the first one the i think the reason i didn't go back into data was i think just like the the cleaning and like filtering data and all that was just like i don't know it, it wasn't super interesting to me um i i i like i, I enjoyed the people that i worked with like it was is a lot of fun. Like my boss was really fun. Um, there were like some coworkers that I had a lot of fun with. Like I played chess with somebody uh, at lunch every day. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, I think just in general, I want, I, I was like, I had just transferred into CS. So I was like, I kind of want to see what like software engineering is like. Cause that's like the uh, like status quo uh, career path for someone who goes into computer science. It's like, okay, you're in CS, you're going to be a software engineer. Um, so I wanted to try that out and I enjoyed it more than data. So I was like, okay, I'll do this, but that doesn't mean that I don't like, uh, data science. Like I, uh, Greg knows all like 
sometimes be working on like fantasy hockey problems where I'm trying to like predict things using data science to like, do better in my fantasy hockey leagues, like get an edge over everybody else. So I think it really, when it comes to data science, um, I have to find the problem that I'm applying it to um, very interesting. Uh, and I think it's just, for for me, I don't find that many things interesting. So it's hard to, it would be hard to find a job where I could just do like fantasy hockey stuff, which is kind of why I would want to like do a YouTube channel where I get to do it for fun and all that. But yeah, I think just in general, yeah, I, I enjoyed doing software engineering, which is why I'm a software engineer now. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I think we'll, I'll see where this goes. I think when I'm I, at a certain point, in my career, I do want to switch career paths. Um, I, I think I coming into university, I was actually very interested in teaching just because I really liked my teachers and thought they did a really good job in high school. And um, I think it, I think it's hard to find good teachers. So I think I would love to be able to bring like the passion that I have for math um, to high school and like see if I can either make people already interested in math more interested in it and like show them even cooler things than what you typically learn in high school or take people who are not interested in math at all and try to like convince them that they actually do like math they just don't realize it because you don't learn like what all, all of math is in high school like there's just too much to go over like for example game theory like people who are into like board games and stuff use game theory all the time but they might they might hate like algebra which is typical or like calculus which is really all you do in high school so if i could expose them to different branches of math that would more align with their interests i think that'd be really cool so i think that's something i want to do eventually in my career well that's fantastic quick side note did you ever take computer science in high school I did. I took it in grade 12. Um, like I took both grade 11 and grade 12 in grade 12. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't really enjoy grade 11 computer science, but grade 12 started to get into the more like computer science-y stuff, like the like algorithms and mm. like learning about how like divide and conquer stuff works, like yep. binary search and merge sort. You did that in grade 12? Yeah, I learned. Yeah, that. I don't think I, I don't know if it was part of the curriculum, like the standard curriculum for Ontario. But my teacher went over like a lot of really cool stuff. Like we also did like Tower of Hanoi and stuff. So yeah. I think just in general, I my do. teacher was really good. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Was that your first exposure to programming? Yeah, pretty much. There was like a point in grade nine where I did like HTML, for, like just one random night but i was like this is really boring and i don't ever want to do this yeah yeah I've look actually, at me now i've, I've been getting <laughs> i don't do html recently it's it's not super fun but it is really really useful if you want to do like anything yeah yeah for sure you have to like understand how it works like especially if you want to make a website like i mean you can go through like you're not sponsored by squarespace are you I could do an ad read. No, we're but... not. Not yet. <laughs> okay, not yet. All right. Well, maybe this will get. But like, you could use Squarespace to make Hashtag your website instead of having sponsored. to deal with HTML. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
don't take this as an endorsement from a podcast, but you can use like websites to make your, your, your website, um, rather than learning HTML. I find them really limiting. I've tried all of them and it's like anytime, like I'll, I'll get to build up some things out of it. And then I just hit a point where it's like, this is just not flexible enough to do what I want. And then I have to go do it all by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I find that to be the case with a lot of things. Like there's even like in terms of coding, like there's, and sometimes I'll be doing like a, a leak code problem and I'll be trying to use uh, something from like Python standard library. And I'm like, this doesn't have like exactly what I want. So I have to code this from scratch. It's really annoying. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Leak codes for practice. So that sounds just like better practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like, it definitely gets you to think about data structures that you don't usually have to deal with. You know, like that. Yeah, that's just a whole other thing. Where I, I think leak code, as much as I enjoy it, you're not testing how. Like, it's not a good assessment of it's how not. they're going to be on the job. Like, it, it's a completely different skill. And if you just get good at that one skill, you can get any job you want. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good at it. Yeah, and I think it's always evolving too. Like we just had Chat GPT come out, which really changes how people are coding. Like it's getting so much more. You just like it's just problem solving, which is what leak code tests, but it tests very very specific problem solving. Yeah. And it's it's more so. Honestly, I feel like it's just because uh, so we were playing a lot of Stardew Valley, and we found out that the guy who coded that game, or it's it's literally just one guy that didn't know coding. <clears throat> who coded the entire game. And it's like, it's an, it, if you gave him a lead code question at the beginning, he'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah. give someone three years of time and like 10 hours a day and you get something astounding. So. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember exactly who it was or who they were applying to work for, but the company that they were applying to work for it used the person's like open source software so they interviewed at the place and they're like, all right, I need you to like invert this binary tree. And he's oh like, I don't know God. how to do that. So he didn't get the job, but it's like, oh. you guys use my software all the time. Like oh you, sh you should be okay with hiring me. Like clearly That's I can write software. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is a triple major and what were your, your majors? <laughs> so is, is it all, it, to me, it sounds really crazy but i also know that it's not as hard as it sounds like it is <laughs> yeah um basically so my three majors were computer science and this is a really long word but well two words but combinatorics and optimization and then computational mathematics um if those all sound like the same thing they basically were <laughs> uh, which is why it was so easy to get uh well it wasn't like easy, but it was a lot easier than you'd think to get three majors with those. Um, so I initially picked uh, computer science and CNO, the common course one, uh, because there was like a decent amount of overlap. Um, so I just like, well, um, well, initially I was in math and I switched into CS because I wanted to be able to take the upper year CS courses because there's so many that are just like off limits to math students, which is really stupid but 
because they filled the CS program way too much in the earlier years. And then, yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know why you can't take, like, just hire more teachers or something. I don't know. Like, you have a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, I switched into CS, but then I was like, I still want to do a bunch of math. So I'm also going to do C and O, which um, was like, it's like graph theory. And there's also game theory. Like, there's a lot of different things it covers. Um, but yeah, so I, I decided to double major in both of those. And then when I got to like the end of third year, I realized it was going to be like two or three more courses to get a third major. If I like planned out exactly which ones I wanted correctly. Um, so I did like three extra courses and got a third major and it was way easier than it, I ever thought it should be to get three majors, but I mean, like, usually to get one major, you have to take 40 courses. Um, and there's, like, probably a lot of electives in there. But I basically was just, like, I'm going to take the least amount of electives possible and make them math courses because I'm better at math than most electives anyway. Um, so that got me, like, my second major within 40 courses. But then I just had to add on three more to get a third major. So it was just three more courses for two more majors, which was a pretty good deal. And now I have, like, an interesting story to tell people uh, if they ever ask when I'm in like an interview or something, like it's just very easy to be like, Oh yeah, this is like how I got three majors. And how it's not as impressive as it sounds. There you but, go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So <laughs> three majors and does, so is there like some still some sort of specialization like main thing or is it like literally like you're as good at each of those three things because technically you were in cs but mm -hmm. is there anything that emphasizes that it was cs other than just the degree um i mean even my degree so people get in people in cs at waterloo you should get uh bachelors of cs yeah. in cs i got a bachelor's of math oh, in cs okay. Yo, okay. yeah yeah so the only thing that signifies that i was like in cs is that it was listed first out of right. the three majors um i think it was just the order that i decided to declare them in but yeah it was like cs co cm yeah, and that and that you paid more tuition than in math. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. I don't don't get me started. It's just <laughs> All right. All right, I well. I don't know it. Yeah, it was stupid, but whatever. I I I think for me, I was really interested in the upper year CS courses and like really wanted to take them. And there was like specifically a course that I took that I ended up really enjoying that I would not have been able to take if I was just in math. So was it worth an extra, like, was it worth twice the tuition, like paying double the amount? Um, I don't know. I don't know where that money would have went elsewhere. Like, I think OSAP, like, probably covered most of the twice, like, a double, doubled amount. So it was, it was probably worth it. Although I still have to pay loans back. So I don't know. Yeah, the loans feel really good when they're in your account, but then when you look at it on the site, it's just a whole different story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, they have dwindled a lot since I decided to pay off the federal portion. So it went from like 20, 
6,000 down to like 6,000. So that feels pretty good. So on that note, um, and you don't have to answer super specifically if you don't want to, but what kind of like investment strategy do you do? Um, I just keep it simple, stupid. Like I, for the most part, I just invest in, um, so this is not financial advice, by the way, but the tried and true strategy is to pick an, pick an ETF that is tied to the um, S&P 500 and just invest most of your money into that. And that should, it should go up over time by like, I think adjusted for inflation, like 8% a year or something. Um, so that's just like, typically what people suggest you do if you don't want to think about it at all um or like it just like pretty much anything that captures a lot of the market um is good so that's mostly what i've done i've invested in like a few individual stocks um it's looking really bad right now yeah um but i think everything's looking bad right now so it was it wasn't too much money that i put into that so i'm not regretting it that much but i'm also like I think it was a good lesson to me because uh, it's those things are more down than the S and P 500 is. So as much as I thought, Oh, maybe I'm smarter than the people who just say to invest in the S and P 500, I realized I'm not, and I should just probably stick to their advice. Yeah. I've realized that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. Think, I think what's interesting on that topic is that I, it is like 8% annually but it's you can't keep that number in mind all the time because if you what yeah. I think about is like it's gone way way down right now so in the near future or at least within a few years you can expect way more than eight percent like it'll be eight percent yeah. from kind of what it was before um yeah so like, I think yeah in like 30 years you should expect it to have averaged eight percent every year yeah. yeah um pretty much yeah so it's it, just look at it if you're buying right now as like a and like your your let's say your stocks are going down well now is the time to buy more because you're getting it at a discounted price yep so that's how i'm looking at it i'm like okay i'm getting like a 20 percent discount even though the rest of my money is also down 20 percent. yeah 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 you have to. <laughs> yeah otherwise you'll just get depressed so Kyle, you're in the States right now. What made you want to move there after you graduated? Yeah, so I mean, I'm in tech. So when I think of tech, like, and I think if, when anyone in the world thinks of tech, the first location that they think of is like San Francisco, Bay Area, Silicon Valley. So I think just in general, be, having a career in tech, like, one of the things that I, I've kind of wanted to do um, ever since I realized I was going to be going into tech was spend some time in the Bay Area. And like, because I, I, I feel like it's almost like a rite of passage at that point. Like, you know, spend some, like, just go. Oh, sorry, did I cut up? A little bit, yeah. Just a bit, yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's also very similar to the reason that I chose to go to Waterloo, where I, like, you know, kind of left the, my my hometown like the the nest the safety net whatever you want to call it and went off to like experience new things and try to become more responsible um 
I think moving to like a whole new country, having to deal with visa stuff and like, yeah. Um, you know, flying on my own to go back and forth between the countries whenever I want to visit home. Like, um, I think, yeah, just in general is like a good opportunity to become, sorry, uh, more responsible and mature. Um, and not like, I think it just like pretty much cuts off any reliance you could possibly have on your parents at that point. Like you're just, you're very on your own when you move across the country and then down to another country. Um, and I think, yeah, just, you know, I, most of my coworkers work in Pacific time. So it's nice to work in Pacific time here. Um, I think, um, the weather is really nice, especially because I, I said I was getting into running. I think something that's difficult in Ontario is to run year round. I realized that when I was getting into it, back in Canada. So I figured why not come to a place where you can pretty much run at any point in the year. Uh, so that's nice. Um, and yeah, uh, I completely forgot about this. It is lower down on my checklist than most people probably have it, but the compensation in the States is definitely a lot higher than it is in Toronto or like Ontario in general, um, or Canada in general. Um, which is kind of why you see like the brain drain that we have in Canada right now, where people are just like leaving in swaths (laughs) because they don't get paid as much as you would in the U S and for a lot of people, like achieving financial independence is a really big goal for them, especially if you're someone who's educated and in STEM, like, it's just like, you're like, okay, I want to like, I have this great opportunity to make, lots of money and not have to work well into my sixties. So why not do that? Um, so I think just in general, yeah, being able to make more money is obviously nice. Um, yeah. And yeah. And it was nice because my job was, uh, that I ended up getting was remote. So I don't have to, like, I got to choose between Canada and going to San Francisco and it, I was just like, yeah, like going to San Francisco, I think at this point in my life is the choice that makes sense. It's not that I never want to come back to Canada. Like I still have a very soft spot in my heart for Canada. Like I, no offense to Americans, but I do think Canada's a better country. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, it also, I feel like I also appreciate going home a lot more now when I, yeah. you know, come back. Um, from San Francisco, but I also really like coming back to San Francisco from Canada because I think there are just things that I enjoy of one place. Like Canada still feels like home to me, so when I go home, it, like it feels like home. Um, and then when I come here, though, it's also like it also feels like the like a new chapter of my life, and I'm like continuing that when I come back. So yeah, there's like I think it's nice to especially because my job is remote. I can like go home for a week, not have to take any vacation and just work from Canada yeah. and then come back to San Francisco and work from here as like, you know, just go about my life as normal. Um, so yeah, I, I like being able to go to both places. Yeah. No, that's amazing. 
Yeah, so how is it like for a Canadian citizen to move to the States? Because I think, I feel like, again, kind of what I said earlier, a lot of people abroad think that you can just like walk over and then stay as long as you want. Is that true? Or... <laughs> you can't work. No. Yeah. Um, basically, from my understanding, when you're just coming as like somebody's traveling, you can only stay for, I know it's a certain number of months. Um, months. I think they told me, yeah, I think, I think they told me like you have to get out of here in six months when I just came, when I was traveling. Um, I don't know if like once those six months are up, you just go back and then be like, okay, I want to yeah, come back for another six yeah. months. I, I honestly don't know. Um, yeah, that's that'd be something interesting to look into. Uh, I have a friend who I could probably just like quickly ask, and he'll know the answer right away. Um, you guys know Ram. Oh, um, Ram. He just knows laws about everything. Like it's okay. insane how much he knows. Like he's probably the most knowledgeable person I know. Um, but yeah, um, for the visa, basically, I, I mean, I think I got pretty. When I was looking for jobs, I was mostly looking for like companies that could sponsor me to do like for a visa if I wanted to go to the States. Um, so I got pretty lucky that um, my workplace was able to sponsor me for uh, they initially got me a TN visa, which I think lasts three years. Um, and it's for people who are like um software engineers or like there are other professions as well. I don't remember which ones they are because I didn't need to know them. I think technically you had to be like either an engineer or a computer systems analyst was another thing um, that you could come in as, but like nobody knows what that means. It's like super outdated term. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so um, yeah, I initially came over on the TN visa and then I also got really lucky that they had, like, my workplace, like, they work with some, like, law firm that deals with visa stuff. And they had entered me into, like, the, the H-1B yep. uh, lottery. And I got selected, like, the first time. And there's only, like, a 35% chance that you get selected every year. I also started work, like, a month before they did the lottery, which is really nice. Because it meant, like, oh, a month in, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to have an H-1B visa. Um, so yeah um then it like took a like there was like there's kind of some like annoying paperwork um to get the visa and stuff um for example they needed my degree but i graduated like i finished school in december but i didn't graduate until june but i was working in march and they needed the degree but i was like well i don't have the degree yet because i haven't technically conferred like I, I finished my requirements for my degree and I'm going to graduate but I haven't technically graduated yet um so there was just like some annoying stuff we had to do um for that um but yeah and then like you quickly I had to quickly interview at the border for the TN visa initially it took like I don't know probably half an hour at most and most of it was just sitting and, like waiting for the guy to go through my stuff um but yeah that wasn't too bad and then the h1b was even quicker like i just went up and they were like they give you like some receipt thing and then you like when you 
um, like they ship it to you. And then when you're returning from Canada, uh, you just show them the receipt and they're like, okay, yeah, you have this visa. You're like, okay. And then they just let you through. It was like literally like 60 seconds max. So that was really nice. But yeah, just in general, like there's like some annoying paperwork that you're going to have to do if you're getting a visa to work here. Um, I think it's it, mine is still valid for another like three years and then I would have to get it renewed. Um, I also need to probably like you can, once you get the H1B, you can start applying for a green card, which I know at this point can take like forever. Um, but then once you get the green card, I think you just wait five more years and you can apply for your citizenship or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's still some stuff I have to figure out for all that, but that's basically kind of what the process that I've gone through at this point. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's definitely a lot. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm glad to have it all worked out. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I'm go ahead. I was just going to say, where are you storing your physical copies in case I needed a visa? <laughs> Um, I, I mean, it's probably like in my backpack or something, but, uh, I, I don't know if I have the, like all the paperwork that I needed to, for the initial package to go over the, the, um, to, to go over the U S on my TN visa. Um, and they only sent a physical copy, which is kind of annoying. I wish they sent digital copies, but yeah. Um, I have no idea how much harder I'm assuming it'd be much more annoying if you didn't have like sponsorship for the visa. Um, I was very grateful that they were able to just like, what does that put together exactly mean? Does sponsorship mean they pay for you or it just means a certain like government level security term? I think they like, they pay for, well, they pay for, some of the stuff i know i still had to pay like 50 bucks or something to like enter the first time um but in general they just like uh i'm not 100 percent sure i know one thing they did for me is put together like the whole application package okay. which is like it was like a bunch of pages like well a bunch of pages, probably very few for most lawyers it's probably like 30 or something yeah. but it felt like a lot. And I was like, I'm so glad I didn't have to do this myself. Yeah. Um, so I think just in general, they like help you through the process a lot. Like they did most of the work for that. Um, and they also give you uh, like instructions on what you have to do. Like, Oh, when you arrive, you have to like go to this portal thing, like upload these documents and all this. So that was one thing that I helped out a lot with. Um, I'm not sure how it would be different otherwise like i don't know yeah i'm not i'm not super sure if there's anything else that's different if you don't get sponsorship i would probably have to look into it yeah, yeah. ask number nine it's a funny question <laughs> so question number nine is written by greg and not me it says do you feel <laughs> smart um, I think, I think if I like take a step back and look at it objectively, I feel like I'm, if you consider smart to be like someone who is above average in like, 
intelligence or like ability to solve problems on that, I'd probably consider myself smart. There are definitely things where um, I lack aptitude for it and I don't have a lot of hard work when I'm not naturally skilled in certain things. So, um, for example, like pretty much any other subject that's not math or computer science in school, like I just geography, I just didn't care about like history. I didn't care about, I think just in general, I'm, I like, I don't have a lot of knowledge in those areas. Um, I think I have, I'm, I'm fairly good at like reasoning through decisions, even though I'm a very indecisive person. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think like, I think it's really hard to say that I'm not smart, but I also do think there are things that I'm just like very bad at. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would say I'm smart. Like, yeah. And I ask everybody this, do you feel the imposter syndrome or have you ever felt the imposter syndrome? I definitely have. I, it's hard to tell because sometimes you can like, I've had times where I convince myself like, to have imposter syndrome, you have to feel like an imposter, but not be an imposter. And sometimes you're just like so sure that you're an imposter that you don't, you know, you don't actually have imposter syndrome. You're just really bad at something. So it's something, yeah. I, I think there are certain things where I definitely, there's certain times where I feel like an imposter, but like I feel so sure of it that I'm like, I don't have imposter syndrome. I'm just bad at this. So um yeah um then there are other times where i look back on it and i think to myself like how much do they really expect like for example like my first co-op or whatever like it took me a bit longer to do some of the stuff that i that i would have liked and then i look back at it and I'm like i had zero job experience like i don't think his expectations were that high for what i was doing and I think I, looking back on it, I actually did like a pretty, pretty decent job at what I was asked to do. So like, I think it's, it's hard to say, um, but hindsight is definitely 2020 when it comes to those types of, uh, issues. So do I have imposter syndrome now? Uh, you're gonna have to ask me in three years if I had imposter syndrome now. Okay. Um, but I, I've definitely had it in the past for sure. Yeah. And where do you see yourself in the next 20 years? I know it's a very, like, interview-type question. I don't mean it in yeah. that sense, but, yeah. No, I I think it's that is honestly something that I, like, think about. I'm like, what do I want to really be doing in 20 years? So in 20 years, I'm going to be 43 years old. Um, That's old. I, I want to so be, old. yeah, I know. You guys are going to be 43, too. That's I know, true. that is so old. <laughs> Um, but yeah, at 43, I'd like to be married, have kids. Um, and I think a big reason why I, I brought up that I would like to be like, get into teaching is I think it seems like it, for, for me, I would like to be able to spend a lot of time with my children and being a teacher. I feel like getting the summers off is like really nice. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. I, I honestly think by the time I'm 43, I I would want to be a teacher. Um, like I'd want to switch career paths 
by then. Um, just because, yeah, you get to spend so much more time with your children. And, I mean, you only get to see them grow up once. So, it yeah, it would be really nice. Like, um, I also think just being a teacher in general would be a lot of fun. Like, I'd love to be the fun, cool te- teacher okay. that is, like, you know, pretty chill. Um, like, I definitely had some of those. And, like, one of my favorite teachers, um, I, I doubt he's listening to this. <laughs> There's, like, a 0% chance. But Mr. Gillespie um, from my high school, he was, like, he was one of the coolest teachers. But, like, you knew to, like, he he wasn't one of those teachers that you just, like, like push around. Like, he wasn't a pushover. Like, you know, you, like, people respected him because, like, like, I don't know. He he respected the students, so it was it was easy to respect him back and like not try to get on any like bad side that he could have. Like he he was he was a very fair teacher, but he was also very cool and like he's able to connect with students. Um, like he 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 got to the point like he knew what different students were interested in. So like in a lesson, he'd like even bring it back to like one of the students' interests and try to make like connect with them more like sometimes you bring up hockey stuff and like be talking directly to me in a lesson or I know one person really liked Seinfeld so he would like talk about them or talk to them about Seinfeld and it's like like during the lesson like kind of tie it in I just feel like being able to do that those little things would be like um really fun for me and like yeah I think it would just be really cool to like make people more passionate about um stuff that I am interested in like math um so yeah being like working in that in 20 years would be really cool and yeah being married having kids like I feel like those are just like good life experiences especially having kids like I know a lot of people don't want kids anymore but I would love to have kids like it would just be so much fun to see them grow up and like become independent people and adults yeah so on the uh on the teaching note I have Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously I really like it, like doing YouTube, yeah. especially obviously in like an educational based thing, but I feel like even regardless of the channel, you're still kind of always teaching people something, whether it's even just playing a video game and showing how to do it the best way or whatever. Um, and for me, I think it's really interesting because there's a huge balance between like, you know, obviously if you're like a high school teacher, um, there's a bit of a pay cut for what you'd be at right now. Yep. Um, yeah. And for, uh, I mean, it's it's around like the median salary or something like that. Um, and then there's also something like YouTube, where is essentially zero dollars an hour for the first year, and possibly a million dollars a year in five, ten years, and limitless possibilities in terms of the companies like mr beast right now he's like he has like three actual companies and stuff um yeah so how do you feel like striking those different balances like do you think that you could be like a a professor where you do make more money you talk to an even bigger audience like high school is like 30 kids on average Uh, a professor is like maybe 100 250 depending on the class um or like youtube where it's like if you have the audience or literally talking to a million people live. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, by the, I, I think the reason or one of the reasons that I 
like software engineering, at least is like the first half of my career, um, is because like it obviously is like it'll set you up financially um, if yeah. you like invest right and all that. So by the time I like go into teaching, and, and the reason I didn't go into teaching right away is because I would like to just be at the point where if I could, if I wanted to retire, I could retire. And at that point, the money is like not the the goal for me, or it's not it's not one of the goals. Because um, yeah, I, I want to get to the point where I just don't really have to think about money at all. Like because I just. I don't know. I, I don't like money. I just like not having to think about money. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would like to have a lot of money so that I don't have to think about the lots of money that I have and just like spend it on life experiences and like not, <coughs> sorry. Not have to think of like always oh, like taking my kids out to eat on this Sunday night going to break the bank. Like no. Like just go out, have fun, don't even really pay attention to the bill like what are they going to get chicken fingers like it's it's not gonna you know it's not gonna bankrupt me on my cell house so um and the reason high school would be like appealing to me versus talking to a lot of people on youtube or talking to a lot of people in a lecture hall where you can reach more people is i feel like um i really like the like teaching to smaller people, like at least the idea of it where you can like sort of tailor your content more specifically to people, like how my, my teacher would like, you know, make references to what things he knew we were interested in. Um, I think when, especially, especially with the YouTube, it, it's hard to do that because you're like talking to a void and that void has lots of people in it, but you can't, connect with them as you can with a smaller class size and even with um as a professor if you have 150 to 200 people it probably just looks like a lot of like blank faces just staring at you so i think in general like being able to connect with the students at a a deeper level and like um really focus on each student more um is probably something i'd be a little bit more passionate about yeah, I wanted to hear that perspective because for me, like, I love teaching, but the one thing I can't, I just won't allow myself to do is something that makes me feel limited. And I would just not, I, I couldn't help but feel limited if I were to t- do something like a yeah. job like that where there's just no obvious, like, like, I just always need a what's next, no matter what it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I wanted to hear what you thought about that. Yeah, I think that what what's next is like a human uh trait in in Mm -hmm. any way like you know i'm asking myself right now what's next and i don't see that changing personally so well you have the question sheet right there so you should see what's next what's next yeah it's (laughs) it's a question we've already asked and also actually i guess we already went past that so yeah the last one if we're ready for the last question we are ready for the last question yeah okay uh fire away all right um (laughs) <laughs> anything is there anything that you'd like to let the people know whatever you're up to or or just something about you um that's a good question i feel like at the moment i don't have a uh, youtube channel to shout out or anything don't really use social media so i can't be like go follow me on instagram or twitter um 
yeah, I don't know. Um, is there anything else? I feel like I covered a lot. I feel like it's been going for a while, but sorry about that. Um, oh, no, no, no. We, that we, was great. Yeah, we're loving this. Yeah. Um, huh. In terms of what I want the people to know, um, I guess, I don't know. I think something that doesn't really sink in until you're, like, a bit older is, like, and this is more for, like, younger people. But just, like, when I'm at, I'm, I'm, the direction I'm going is, like, about, like, family and, like, appreciating your family and, like, staying connected with your family, um, especially while they're around. Because there's only, you know, so many years. Like, life is short. Um, like, the first year in university, I just, like, didn't talk to my parents pretty much. Like, I, I it was, like, every couple months I'd call them and they'd, like, call me every however often um and one thing that i've started to do more with over the last couple of years is like call both my parents regularly like at the very least once a week usually like three or four times a week really um That's very nice yeah just because i like i don't know i like my parents um first of all so like i like talking to them um but yeah, I, I've read something or saw something like a statistic where it was like you spend 90% of the time you're going to spend with your parents by the time you move out. Mm, so yeah. you only have 10% of the time left. It's like, you know, I I definitely um, have like started to prioritize like family and friends more. Like I, I as much as, you know, having a nice career and all that's nice, and like making lots of money, like at the end of the day, like that money is meaningless if you don't have like family and friends that you can like have experiences with i guess the point of the money is to be like yeah i think just in general just like yeah uh enjoy the time that you have with your family and friends because as long as you have enough money to make ends meet like not more, more money isn't going to make you that much more happy um i, I mean the reason i would want more money is so i could you know, retire earlier and spend more time with my family. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting because um, it's also very culture based because I wasn't surprised at all to hear that, you know, you only called your parents like every few months or whatever. Yeah, of, of course, there's definitely people um, in like Canadian culture that talk to their parents a lot more than that. Um, but it also didn't really surprise me that much. Um, but Arshia like talks to her family like really, really commonly. But yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I really like that, uh, you know, point of view. And this was very, uh, this was very wholesome episode. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, it ended wholesome, eh? <laughs> yes. So thank you for that, Kyle. I'm the most wholesome person. There we go. I guess so. Most humble. <laughs> not, not true. <laughs> most humble most humble, most wholesome. There you go. Actually, like, quick last question: Have you measured your IQ? Um, no, I've taken the online test. Like... Isn't it somewhat accurate? <laughs> no, no. I don't like. They're like, tests. what word doesn't fit? Rat, bat, bat, and cow. Oh, like, well, it wasn't oh, one of the, like the puzzle spatially ones. I've done like the the practice Mensa one. Yeah, but it's like it's just stupid i i think yeah. for that one i got like it was like 130 something yeah there we go like 135 or something but like 
Yeah. I mean, I took the, the gifted test when I was younger and I think to be gifted, it's like 130 and up. Okay. And I, I mean, I, I was in get the gifted program, but also your IQ when you're a kid is different than when you're an adult. So I haven't taken any like actual IQ tests. Um, you can also like practice for them. So like, yeah, they're that's just the one useless. That's weird to me. I've yeah. done it a few times and done better over time. <laughs> yeah. Like you can improve your IQ. I don't think you can really like, yeah, the, the tests are just, I think IQ in general, uh, there's like, there is some measure of IQ out there that is good, but I don't think we've found it yet. Like, I don't think there's anything that can really encapsulate how intelligent someone is. We'll, we'll need someone with a really high <laughs> IQ to come up with a, that's yeah, that's that's not me. <laughs> maybe maybe you can figure it out with your uh, machine learning. No, I'm right right in the middle <laughs> of that bell curve. Uh, all right, I doubt it, but <laughs> no, no. I've t- anybody who went mean, to Waterloo is <laughs> no. Anyone is from up Waterloo there. is just resilient. Like you just have to fight through it. There's going to be mental and like possibly physical battles, and you just have to. You just have to tolerate it for such what a long physical time. battle did you go through? Me in particular, not necessarily. The freshman 15. <laughs> All right. Well, freshman actually, Greg, Greg purposefully put on that muscle. Right. I do have a lot of muscle. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Well, in Ottawa, you did. True. Yeah, you guys. Uh, you had a lot of water weight. You should check out. What was that? I don't know what my Instagram was called, but there's a nice video of me somewhere where I'm lifting like 75 or whatever it was pounds on top of a pull-up which is pretty solid just crazy literally like a 200 pound actually back then it would have been like 220 225 pound person yeah like doing a pull-up but you you know you're obviously like 140 something at the time maybe 150 no i've never (laughs) been 150 Oh, I thought you were inching close to that when you had all the water weight. I think if I, I think when I had a bunch of water, I was, I was at like one forty three, and then it was like oh. never that much again. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kyle, for giving us your yeah, time thank you. And, and you know your insights. We loved speaking to you, and we'd love to have you back on the on the show. That's true. Yeah, definitely. If you guys ever want me back. Maybe I can interview you guys next. Ooh. Yeah. After after you become a teacher, we'll have you. Not until then. Oh, it's gonna be. No, a while. we'll definitely have you before that. <laughs> <laughs> right, Maybe you want to start a YouTube channel. True. Yes, you Actually, should. That's true. Yeah. Then we'll. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll include. We'll we'll plug in the links still. Like when it comes yeah. out, we'll put it in this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Interview. This was an interview with Kyle Yarwood. The next one will be an interview with YouTuber Kyle Yarwood. Oh. <laughs> the, the YouTuber. The, the YouTuber. The Kyle. Okay. Uh, I, mean, I guess we're yeah. calling it then. Yes, we're calling it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Kyle, so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.